Hello folks, I hope your day is going well and that you're continuing to enjoy maybe some aspects of isolation. As ever, you are more than welcome. Yes, we just want to thank um, everyone again for tuning into the last week's episode and for all the um, feedback that we've had and for all the um, all the words of thanks and all the rest of it. It's been really appreciated and we always value your feedback. So I think this has been week eight of isolation, Andrew. It has been and gone, um, but how have you spent it? Well, I actually decided to, since you were doing so much campaigning for this special spot, the not-to-be-named two trees, so to speak, I decided to go for a, a dander up there myself one evening just to watch the sunset. And I thought it was just because you were just a big tree hugger. You loved any trees in particular. But no, this one, just I see what you were talking about. These two trees were just fantastic. And it was beautiful just to be out there and to watch the sunset. It was it was marvelous. It's great. Did you happen to see any birds of prey? I... I think it was a few weeks ago, I first of all came across these two buzzards that like fly over you. It's pretty crazy. Um, and one time, one of them tried to like attack me. It was kind of strange. You have a weird way with wildlife, I have to say. I'd love to take you on safari one time just to see what would happen. They would all attack me. <laughs> so what have you been up to then this week? So yeah, I've had a decent week, thank you. Um, I've had a good few wee shifts in the hospital, which has kind of kept the sanity. It's nice to get out of the house. And... Basically, Andrew, if I ever slag off the NHS ever again, I give you full permission to slap me in the face as hard as you want to. Not a problem. Not a problem at all. <laughs> because basically in their NHS's infinite wisdom, they've decided to make all food and all drinks in the hospital free. It is a beautiful thing. And so for the two days this week that I was in, um, I was just been feasting like a king. It has been ridiculous. I actually had two lunches on Wednesday there. I think that would explain all that extra overtime you decided to randomly do this week. Yeah, that's sort of coming together there very nicely. Um, so I'm sure um, you'll remember the challenge. Um, the, the, I suppose a weird challenge that I set last week. Um, well, for myself, um, well, it's very interesting, to be fair. I think nobody was really sort of up for the whole scaring about and that sort of thing with people who had exams we had to be nice and quiet for and we had all these work calls that were happening so i was only able to scare my mum a few times that was about the majority of it i'm afraid um what about you how'd you get on yeah much the same to be honest dad's been having conference calls um and i don't think we'd be too amused um with me shouting uh running into the study and being like bah! so um was one time me and my mum have this thing where we like race each other to put the cars in at the night a nighttime into the garage. Um, obviously, I always win because I'm a speedy Gonzalez. Um, but I was really quick, got my car in, and then locked her in the garage with all the doors closed. She was rather scared. So if that counts, I maybe think I've won, Andrew, to be honest. If you mean a completely terrifying your own mother, uh, yes, I think you probably have, to be fair. I'd say you've succeeded in that one. Fantastic. Fantastic. So I think we should do something that is definitely doable, something that we don't need maybe too many resources with uh, or for um, this week. I think that would be uh, maybe a good idea. So I was reading this week when I was going to be revising, and this is kind of relevant, that your kidneys can pee up to 28 litres of water a day. That's pretty impressive. Uh, and my simple challenge for you, Andrew, is who can drink the most amount of water in an hour? Doesn't seem too hard, does it? And so if you're listening um, to the podcast, please also participate and text us in how you've been doing and to see how we stack up. So maybe just pick out an hour in your day, maybe tonight, Andrew, or whenever, but try and drink as much as possible. And I think probably I could get about six liters. I think that's what I'm going to go for. Um, if you can beat that, amazing. But I'll unveil how I've done next week. 
Um, and also, if you throw up, probably don't continue. Just a word of advice. Yeah, just we've had, um, just in case you want to try and um, sue us or something that might happen off the back of it, we're not liable to any of those things. We've checked with our lawyers and it's just, you, you don't have a chance. So just best to, if you throw up, stop, end the challenge there and let us know your total. All right. So uh, we're now going to move on to the um, Sammy as Sam. It was uh, my turn this week to choose and I went for Sam 40. So here it is. I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. He put a new song in my mouth, a song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to those who go astray after a lie. You have multiplied, O Lord, my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts toward us. None can compare with you. I will proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the scroll of the book. It is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation, Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. For evils have encompassed me beyond number. My iniquities have overtaken me, and I cannot see. There are more than the hairs of my head. My heart fails me. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me. O Lord, make haste to help me. Let those be put to shame and disappointed altogether who seek to snatch away my life. Let those be turned back and brought to dishonor who delight in my hurt. Let those be appalled because of their shame who say to me, Aha, aha. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. As for me, I am poor and needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, O oh my God. Um, I really enjoyed that psalm. I, I just enjoy this as a, a time, I don't know, just to like even just listen to that, it's, it's, just, it's just class. Um, I especially enjoyed verse 8. It says, I delight to do your will, O oh my Lord. And that should be us as Christians. We know what God's will so often is, or, but let us delight in that. So often we just say, oh, do we have to do that? But instead, no, we get to delight in this thing, in these things. It's an amazing truth. So today we are planning to go through two verses um, in the book of James, uh, verses 20 and 21 of chapter 1. So probably we'll be finished the book of James in approximately 10 years is the, is the plan. Like we are not going through too quickly here. But, you know, I don't know. We better get the, the most out of it. There's still loads in it. We could probably do one verse at a time, but, you know, we're doing two, which is great. So our theme for this week is how our attitude, how our heart, how our actions hold us back from spiritual maturity. 
And if your grey matter is anything like ours, and I've been off work for a little while now, so mine's a little bit rusty, definitely needs warmed up. Um, we have these sort of three main points that we were speaking um, last week about the person who is meek. And the three points were this, that the person who is meek listens out of love, waits and wisely uses their words, and is patient and not wrathful when wrong. Exactly. And we talked about last week that we are going to compare verses 19 that we covered last week to verse 20 that we're going to talk about this week. And then we're going to add in a wee bit more about that. And meekness is the exact opposite of what we read in these verses. So let's uh, start our reading of these two verses uh, at verse 20. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. We sort of two main points and we want to take from it. And the first is this. We're going to speak about when we take God's throne in our lives and we're going to discuss things such as impatience and arrogance and self-righteousness. And then our second point is looking at verse 21. And we want to talk about how we should honour God as king of our lives and how we should accept or receive his word and how that like, heals our soul. And we're going to be talking about things like meekness, as we talked about last week, but also things like submission and fear of God. So the first point, when we take God's throne in our lives, I'll read the verse 20 again to remind ourselves. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. What James is sort of chatting about here is that he doesn't, it's, it was never God's way for us to be really angry. And man's anger itself rarely brings righteousness into a man's life. Most of our anger is at the wrong time. It's usually, you know, to the wrong person. So most often it's for the wrong reason. And pretty much always in the wrong way. And as we discussed last week, the word anger it carries a little bit more than us being angry when someone cuts us off in, tra in a traffic jam. It carries the meaning of wrath. And wrath involves a few steps that we want to talk about. So we were preparing this earlier on in the week, probably about one or two in the morning, Andrew, and we were a wee bit tired. You know, we were sleep deprived. And when that happens, you know, our randomness just improves um, or just goes a bit, goes a bit crazy. This is the, the example we came up with. Um, so bear with. I think it's a great example. So imagine, Andrew, you are in Asda because it's during isolation. You can't really go very far. This is a, a big day out for you. Getting the, the family shopping in Asda. And you are in the fruit and veg aisle. And you see this woman. And she has crazy butterfingers. Like, what is she doing? And she is she spills a whole crate of avocados on the floor. What is she doing? And you walk right up to her right into her face and you tell her that she is a disgrace to her country to her family and to yourself and as you walk away you decide to pick up one of the bruised avocados and throw it at her ashamed face now i would just like to point out to our listeners that this is a completely of course hypothetical scenario if this was to truly happen in real life um, i would actually meet her all make her eat all of the bruised avocados on the spot because we can't have that kind of waste in the times we live in. Unless she was this basic white girl, um, whereas because that wouldn't wouldn't be really a punishment. That would be a pleasure for her. It's tough to get that right sometimes. It's a, it's a skillful art, to be fair. So there's at least three things that seem to happen here when we're talking about wrath. 
The first is this judgment. And of course, I have um, judged her, of course, um, for these butterfingers that she's have. The second is this self-righteousness that you had, Andrew. Um, you kind of acted like you would never do something like that. And you had no mercy for her at all. So there was judgment, self-righteous, and then there was the punish. Therefore, I poured out my wrath on her, so to speak, by flinging the avocado back. So these are three simple wee truths. But I suppose they, they apply from the smallest example all the way to the biggest offenses um, that happen. But God doesn't call us to live judgmental, self-righteous, and wrathful lives. These are all the opposite of what meekness is. As Christians, we, are, we so often are quick to forget about the wrath that we deserved and that was meant for us. The very wrath that Jesus willingly and lovingly bore for us during those three hours of separation from the Father on the cross. How then can we be so quick to be wrathful to others? Especially if like, we're wanting to be more like Christ through sanctification, we cannot just be wrathful like this. For you who are listening to us now, if you can even think of an example recently when you have judged and, and punished someone you know, whether that is Deirdre at work because you didn't refill the stapler the way you like it done, or maybe you found out that your friend has been slabbering and talking bad behind you, uh, behind your back. Importantly, James isn't saying correcting someone is wrong, but it's the lack of mercy and the fury of wrath. That's the problem. In these situations, we're so quick to hop on the, the judgment throne, so to speak, and take God's place. And we take the judgment and the wrath into our own hands. Basically, we're saying, God's way, you're not, you're not doing this the right way you should be doing this. I'll go and deal with the scenario because you don't seem to be doing anything about it. And there's this impatience that can grow out as a result of that. And if we're honest, we have these moments every day. These are moments where we are not submitting or, or fearing God as our sovereign king. The NLT, which is a version of the Bible, um, or the New Living Translation, um, is really helpful for this verse in verse 20. It says, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. God expects and wants so much more for us. But isn't it impossible to stop being wrathful to people? I mean, surely we have all have those bad days. And that perfectly brings us into the second point that we're going to um, look at. And it's actually the point we're going to focus on today. So the second point is this, that we need to honor God as king and his word will heal your soul. Especially so when we get off our high horse and we realize that God is the only one who can be wrathful in a righteous way. And that he should be king in all aspects of our lives. Then we have started to put ourselves in the correct place and to step out of the fleshly traits of impatience and arrogance and self-righteousness, which is not the righteousness that God desires in us. If he's the king of our lives, then we should want to obey his word. In these last few verses, James has made a switch from talking about trials in the previous verses now to talk about the scriptures. And he lays out some very important, practical, and humbling truths about them. So we'll read the verse um, out again, verse 21. Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. 
So let's try and break it down. Simon, what's this first um, part of the verse talking about when it's saying to put away? Well, I suppose it's, it's something active. It's something that we actually have to do. Um, it's actively laying aside or casting off. It's not just a, a messing around. Um, we need to actively, through these things, this filthiness, the rampant wickedness out of our lives. And actually, um, looking into the word, the analogy that it carries is that of an athlete. And you just imagine this athlete with all of these clothes on them just before they are about to race. And they have all these clothes on because they want to keep their, their muscles nice and warm. And they're about to go set off in this long distance race, maybe a marathon. But just before they're about to start running, they need to cast off all of the needless clothing and the weight that's going to stop them running quickly. And it's actually it's going to stop them or heed them in their endurance race. It really reminds me of a um, verse in Hebrews 12, the very first verse that says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. It's a great verse. So the next verse we come, or the next word that we come into contact with is the word all. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness. It doesn't say put away some, put away most. It says all. And so James is encouraging us not for partial purity. He is encouraging us for complete purity, to fell the wickedness out of our lives and to live in the new, the new way. The verse then goes on to describe about filthiness and rampant wickedness. And if you were reading through it quickly, you'd just be like, oh, we'll just pass through that. Both of those sort of mean the same thing. But there's a slight difference in the two of them there, and we hope to be able to try and get that across to you. So this filthiness part first, and this is sort of speaking about by a sort of lack of external purity. And what we really try to mean by that is when we're going our day-to-day and interacting with the world, sort of the the chat or the conversations we hear or things that we're hearing in terms of like maybe music or for things that we would watch on TV or the things that we see. So often that can, what that can do is that can corrupt us and it can take our minds away to a dark place of, of lusting or coveting or, or worrying about these things. And we become stained in the day-to-day, our day-to-day lives with these things. So with that, yeah, being true. So is the solution for that, Andrew, for us just to get a wee group of Christians to sit in a wee holy huddle and to basically live like monks for the rest of our life and um, stay away from anything of the world? Is, is, is that really what's what's going on here? No, I would definitely have to um, disagree with that one. That doesn't really sound like a very fun life either, does it, to be fair? Um, John 13 um, goes really well into this and sort of what is happening to sort of paint the picture um, Jesus is beautifully serving his disciples in the upper room by washing their feet. And we know in those days in Israel, there wasn't a whole pile of tarmac, to be honest, and the roads were very dusty. So these disciples would have been walking for the whole day. Uh, and who knows what kind of filth or muck was between their toes. And I suppose that's like us during every single day. There's not dust in the, in the ground anymore, but as we walk through our day, we pick up so much from the world around us. Jesus then came to Simon Peter, and surprise, surprise, he wasn't having any of it. He says, you'll never wash my feet. 
However, Jesus then went on to go on and explain the, the two different types of washings that he was talking about. The first he was speaking about was this all-over um, body wash, um, so to speak, and that was in reference to salvation. But there was the second one he started then to go and talk about, which is the one we're going to look at, was this washing of our feet every day. So exactly. So we, we need that washing every day because as believers, we have been saved. We've had that full body wash. But every day we need to come to God and get our feet, feet washed. Because we have the filth of the world that we pick up during our day. So we dearly need to come to God, into his presence, and have that dear, daily renewal. It's so often said that we should have close accounts with God, and that's exactly it. We should come daily into his presence and walk in step with his spirit as we go about our day. And let this, this filth that so often just clouds our mind um, no longer linger. Because so often we do let it linger, and that will actually affect our souls, it will affect our relationship with God. Do you ever find it that where you've went a week maybe without spending real quality time with God in, in, in his word and, and in prayer? And even in that short period of time, that short window, you start to stop caring so much about purity and start to become desensitized to the evil in our lives and just sort of let that sin sort of just, just sit and wait. So the next wee phrase, so we've talked about filthiness. And then the next phrase is rampant wickedness. And we see that there's a slight difference about this. So the, the meaning of this word is like the, the outflow of our hearts. And so this word is talking about um, something maybe internal. It's how our hearts are. And a part of that is definitely affected by the things of this world as they seep into our, our hearts. But there's so much more. It's something um, that's within and it's, it's corruptive. It's corrupted and it's corrosive. So we've already spoken about how um, filthiness is a lack of um, external purity, but now we want to focus on rampant wickedness and how see that is, how, and see how that is a lack of internal purity. Exactly. So you can appear to have the most perfect life externally. If someone is just watching your life, they can be like, "Oh my goodness, they have the most perfect life, and they never step out of line." Maybe they compliment people's new haircuts, even though if they're terrible like mine. Or maybe and maybe they, you know, get stuck into all of the church activities around them. Maybe they sell cookies at the weekends around the doors and give all their uh, proceeds to charity. Maybe they're an amazing person externally. But maybe, maybe just maybe that they're internally inside they are envious, spiteful, and wicked. And people at times can act like an angel so to speak but if they're this sort of devilish thoughts from within they will soon just start to bubble and come to the surface and will truly show um, what the heart is like it sort of reminds me of a verse in, in Luke six forty five. it says for it is out of the abundance of the heart that the mouth speaks so it's talking about the the state of our inward being the heart and whatever that's like it will naturally flow out in our lives and how we speak and how we act. We can't sort of put on this facade and it won't stay forever. It will come out. Ultimately in those situations, if our heart is envious and wrong toward God, we will be malicious, we'll be wrathful, we'll be bitter and we won't love people. 
our motive for pursuing both internal and external purity is not so we can feel great about ourselves. I think, oh, we're doing a great job. No, that's that's not the case. It should always be out of a fear of God. Exactly. Um, Solomon says in Proverbs 16, 6, By the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. So when we see God as king of our lives, above all else, we'll just want to please him and we'll want to honor his name. Throughout the New Testament, there's encouragements to put away, to put to death the old way and uh, have nothing to do with the old self. But I suppose this is a question for all of us. Are we desiring this internal and external purity? The verse then goes on to say and says, receive with meekness. And to sort of give a, a wee sort of rough definition again, that meekness is an attribute of human nature and behavior. Meekness has been contrasted with humility as referring to behavior towards others, whereas humility refers to an attitude towards oneself. Meekness meaning restraining one's own power so as to allow room for others. So the meek person is moldable, is submissive and is teachable um, when they hear God's word. The meek one says, I don't always know what's best, but the, the arrogant person and the prideful person says, oh, I do know best, and they boast. Um, so here there is a second command. So the first one is to put away, and the second command here is to receive. But to receive what exactly, Andrew? Well, the verse goes on to say the implanted word. And we find this verse in First Peter that we believe brilliantly sort of sums up um, what we've been chatting about so far. And it's found in First Peter 2, and it's the first three verses, which says this. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. And we think James and Peter are saying very similar things here. So thinking about what James is saying, we know that he's writing to believers. And so by this verse 21, he's implying that every believer has this implanted word within them. It's like a seed. It's this analogy of the seed growing up into a tree. And you know that I love the tree analogies. <laughs> we can all remember a time where maybe the gospel was shared with us. Maybe we heard it. Um, and maybe that had been done so many times, but there was a time where there was something different, something just clicked. And our lives were changed forever. We were born again. However, we're all born again as spiritual babies. And Peter, just like James, urges us to put away the things of the old self and not only to long for, but also receive the pure spiritual milk that is God's word. So like a seed is has so much potential to make even a huge tree. We as well have this potential to grow up in our faith, to mature through the power of the spirit working in us, using the word of God to change us. Yet there's opposition to that change. And maybe that's maybe why we haven't seen a lot of change in our own lives because of all of this opposition. There's the devil, there's the world, there's the flesh within us all resisting that change. This means that we can go through the motions of going to church, hearing you know, a good message, maybe being convicted by it, or reading the word on our own. But maybe our Christian lives aren't changing and then maybe this is a time to reflect. Has there been growth in our Christian lives, can we think maybe two months ago, have we changed since then? 
and if we are still sitting on the throne of our lives, and then we will not be willing to bow to the word that we hear or, or that we read. And it therefore cannot affect a change in us. The last little bit of the verse says, which is able to save your souls. Now, the word save here can also mean to heal. So we could read it as this, the implanted word, which is able to heal your souls. And our souls, our souls really are our will, are our emotions and our thoughts, which are so often they're broken. They are, um, they're slightly messed up, to be honest. But as we cast away our old lives out of the holy fear of God and gladly receive God's word, it will affect a change in us. We will start to mature and to sort of follow Peter's analogy, we will start to sort of suck on this spiritual milk and it will have an effect upon our lives because we'll realize that what God says goes and that will change our hearts, that will change our inside. And I suppose put this um, a little bit bluntly, uh, we are the ones that stop spiritual growth in our lives. It's our decision to make. It's not circumstances. It's not the people that annoy us. It's not the, the Bible teachers in our church. Ultimately, it's our personal responsibility to put away these things and to receive it and to receive it with meekness. So we just want to thank you once again and um, for joining us in the Good Fight podcast. Um, we really appreciate you tuning in and please feel free to share with friends and family. And next week, we're going to have a chance to look at the next about three or four verses and hopefully we'll be able to continue on with these truths that we find in Jabes. But until then, we wish you all the best and stay safe and we'll catch you this time next week. God bless.